Welcome to Making Data Better, a podcast about data quality and the impact it has on how we protect, manage, and use the digital data critical to our lives. I'm George Peabody, partner at Lockstep Consulting, and thanks for joining us. With me is Lockstep founder, Steve Wilson. Hi, Steve. G'day, George. Happy New Year. I hope it's um, off to a good start for you, and uh, great to be we're, talking we're, with you again. Off to a great start. Uh, we're actually expecting, finally, our first snowfall in Boston over the weekend, so... I'll be getting into the hot tub after I don't do all the snow shoveling. So, Steve, today we're going to take a look at the power of credential sharing and some examples of what's possible when we address safety and security concerns through the use of the right credentials presented at the right time. And to do that, we're fortunate enough to be looking at a company that operates what we're calling a credential management service and system that has to work with all the stakeholders in its system. And What is really intriguing about this model where you do everything, where you are a credential management service serving everybody, you've got to work with all the parties, all the stakeholders in the identification process. So you've got to get the the party that's taking the risk, what we call the relying party, on board, whether it's in the physical or digital worlds. The provider has to make it easy to grant access to a service, speed the process, log each of those accesses trust the validity of the credentials presented. In other words, the relying parties want the ability to control access, know what each credential presenter is, who each one is subject, referred to as, what they're certified to do, and again, to log each of those interactions. Then the service provider has to get the capability into the hands of the subjects, the holders and presenters of the credentials on board. So they've got to answer the question of what's in it for the subject easier to get into a building or is it easier to access an online service? Maybe it's putting a QR code in front of the guy at the gate instead of a, a booklet full of stamps that say that someone's been certified to do a job. And the third party, of course, is the issuer of the credentials. Think about a registry of motor vehicles or an educational institution or a training company that provides certification. Those credentials have to be in the hands of the subject to be presented to the relying party in order to make a complete loop of the transaction. One of the beauties of the the service provider that does all the work is that they got great visibility into what users are doing on all hands, whether it's the relying party, it's the subjects themselves, the, the folks who are presenting the credential. And given that visibility, given the fact that they're seeing interactions everywhere, they can actually respond to, to new changes new requirements pretty quickly and push that capability push that capability out steve let's illustrate this in the context of identification and credential sharing through talking with i'm happy to say junction a new zealand company that has assembled a solution that addresses the needs of each of those three parties the relying party party taking the risk the subject and the credential issuer itself so to do that let me welcome Dan Stemp, who is Junction's Chief Customer Officer. Dan, welcome. Thank you. Hey, look, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to um, to talk today about you know the, the work that Junction's doing and and look verifiable credentials uh, as as a whole. Look, it's such an exciting topic, and you know, look, we kind of refer to it as the you know, and and lots of other people do is the it's the new gold rush. You know, this this idea of owning your own information and being able to use it whenever you need to use it, knowing who has access to it. Um, this is important stuff, and um, we're really excited to, to be in the space. 
We're so excited to have you on the show, Dan. Uh, we met on the other side of the planet, for you and me at least, as Antipodeans. We um, had a great time at Identiverse in, uh, in Las Vegas with George last year. Um, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? You, you go to the other side of the planet to, to meet people that are almost next door. And we also, when we were chatting, we found that we three have been in, in adjacent areas of business now for decades. So I found the history of Junction really fascinating. Could you recap that for us right now? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd love to. Um, and George, I'm, I'm going to pinpoint a word that you just used in your intro there with visibility. And it's a, it's a key part of Junction's learning. And, and again, a word I'm going to use quite often during this is, is journey. Um, through Junction's journey, we had a lot of learnings when we owned a large-scale card production and personalization bureau. So we were in the business of delivering physical identity tokens to individuals to showcase who they were, whether they had a particular skill or qualification or work authority. Um, so having that visibility of the information that we were producing for individuals and having that visibility of those individuals themselves and what they did with those physical tokens, hold them in plastic card wallets, you know, uh, information in manila folders, we had this insight into how we could create better user interactions for these individuals by using emerging technology like verifiable credentials. And building software was not new for Junction as an organization. As part of our card bureau offering, we had an online ordering tool. So essentially, an a online portal for our customers to input data around the individuals who were receiving these physical tokens and the information that was going on these tokens. So think, you know, firearms license and what your authorities were under your firearms license, what, you know, classification of firearms you're allowed to hold on to. This is all information that we would print onto a physical token for an individual to put in their wallet. So we saw the opportunity to create these digital interactions um, of those physical user interactions that, that people will be having out in, in the world. And specifically, we've taken a focus on, you know, uh, high hazard industries, you know, um, and really that's just out of need and necessity because we have heard that there are problems and we've had people approach us with those within those industries that they have problems and um, they think we can solve them. So, um, yeah, the, the coming from the card bureau industry, um, has given us a massive amount of insight into um, you know, the amount of credentials that people actually hold on to. Um, and it's not just so one we see three. those um, We see all those common um, areas, um, in, in, which, which are readily, you know, conceptually it's, it's an analog to digital conversion, isn't it? You, you take information from sources of truth, you have some way of quality assuring that information, and then you package it on behalf of subjects. They then hold it in a plastic card or a, or a digital wallet, I guess. Can we um, dig into the sort of infrastructure and that, that common ground, what you've had to build and what you've had to leverage? And I guess we could also ground this conversation relative to COVID because we, we love what you guys did relative to COVID. So maybe you can use that to illustrate and underscore how your infrastructure works. Sure. Infrastructure. Um, look, firstly, We've got to build something that's you know it's, it's scalable. If it's if it's not scalable, if it's not secure, it's, it's not something that we want to have as infrastructure behind us because this needs to be scalable. Um, it needs to be secure. 
so at the core of all of this really is the data you know it's it's important to understand again the journey of, of what we've built but you know kind of underneath it all um we have set of tools for people to interact with us we have a digital wallet for holders to hold verifiable credentials and we have an issuing platform that allows issuers of credentials to create a credential catalog and issue those to individuals we have an admin portal for um, enterprises to use to consume that data so whether I employ 200 people and I want an overview of the credentials that those 200 people have, we have an admin portal that allows you to access that information, um, all, all permissioned by the individual. So an enterprise can't always be looking for a request when they need to access information around an individual and their work authorities or skill sets. And, and I want to caveat this, all, all the way all the time, this is under permission from the individual. So let's take that, that MIQ type scenario. Managed, managed isolation and quarantine, a piece of work we did for um, the government during COVID here in New Zealand, and specifically around the border workforce, the, the individuals who are working in these highly you know, regulated environments, um, compliance high environments where they needed to showcase that they were the right people with the right skill set to be working in that environment. So let's take a managed isolation and quarantine facility where you've got hotel staff, defence staff guarding the gates, health staff coming in and out and, and performing health um, duties within these environments. You've got caterers, you've got repair people, you've got this highly compliant environment where the under the New Zealand Health and Safety Act, the, the person who's controlling that business unit needs to make sure that they are taking the best duty of care possible to make sure the right people are undertaking the right jobs. So essentially, people are qualified, people are skilled, people have the right credentials to be in that environment. We needed to provide a value to this, to this government department for them to make sure that the right people were coming in and out, the right uh, compliance um, ticks were, were, were being ticked. Uh, and that was relating to particular credentials around that individual and happened to be obviously identity individual um, credentials. There needed to be health credentials. There needed to be health and safety training credentials, as well as work authorities, something as simple as a site induction. All of this information we were able to provide to the government for the government to issue the credentials to individuals. They already had existing databases that held the truth around this information. So say, for instance, think the COVID immunization register. There was already a point of truth around who had immunizations. We simply took that data and created a verified credential out of it, issued it to the individual, gave them a mechanism to hold it in a digital wallet. And then from a verification point of view, the same digital wallet tool has the capability to check or validate credentials. So the defense force at the gate were scanning QR codes of individuals when they were coming in. Rule sets were created in those environments that ABCD credentials needed to be showcased. Our tool allowed that to simply return a result of you meet the requirements or you don't meet requirements based on the verified credentials that you had sitting within your wallet. Dan, got it. There's a lot of parties involved there. Um, yep. What matters to them most? And, and we think 
love to discuss this further with you, but we think that the relying party or the, the party that's that's on the hook for most of the risk in these transactions and these interactions um, is almost like the silent partner in a lot of discussions. But what, what matters to all of those stakeholders, especially the relying party, what are they telling you matters? Is it things like logging? Is it visibility? Is it performance? What is it? It's it's all those things. It's you know it's it's all of the things that people are screaming out for uh, efficiency, productivity. Time is so important to individuals, and what our tool and our and our solution allows people to do is mm. essentially take a lot of that time control back. You know, particularly in this environment um, that we, we just discussed about managerization and quarantine, what was important to them was time these individuals every time they turned up at the front gate needed to showcase a set of credentials that took time to validate and make sure they were true before that individual came into that environment so a i needed to know when that person came in i need to know at the point in time that they turned up that they had the right credentials to actually be in this environment so yep there's logging there's validation that the right people are undertaking the right tasks that audit trail is really important because if something goes wrong, I need a showcase from an audit trail point of view that I put everything in place to make sure that I was doing my job correctly as the essentially custodian of this environment. And that can be totally translatable to a construction site. If I'm the lead um, con- a contractor on a construction site, it's my responsibility that people coming in that environment um, are kept safe when they're there. So what this this tool allows people to do is give them peace of mind that the right people are turning up with the right skills and qualifications and verified credentials is the perfect way to do this because it's not just me trusting that a piece of paper a plastic card some sort of proof that i have to validate whether it's true or not um, is really up to me so giving the technology and, and allowing the technology to make those decisions for people and give them that peace of mind is, is really important and gives them so much control, validation, but also more, most importantly, gives them time back because they can get back to actually doing what they should be doing as opposed to um, you know, spending time validating information. And for the MIQ workers, what was taking them minutes before we were able to come and give them the solution, we were able, literally able to reduce to seconds. But we're also able to reduce a whole bunch of admin, a whole bunch of admin staff and behind the scenes whose job was it to go and validate that this information was true and real. So you've got the ability for holders of these credentials to present themselves quickly and to get approved quickly. And you've got strong audit trails to show that the correct rules have been followed and that the correct data has been presented by the correct people at the right time. 100%. Now, we've talked about wallets already, and you're obviously using a wallet. Is that a proprietary junction wallet? Is it part of your solution? Or, and how do you feel about the, um, the operating system wallets like Google and Apple, the built-in wallets? It is a proprietary piece of tech that we've created ourselves. We're kind of operating with two wallets at, at the moment. One is a progressive web application, so essentially it's, it's a cloud wallet. But we also have a native uh, wallet, both on Android and Apple, Really important to kind of see why we have two. A, a web wallet or a, a aggressive web application allows us to push updates you know, in, instantaneously to that platform for, for our users. So when it comes to you know, increasing functionality, it's not reliant on that individual having to go and update it on the App Store. Um, we're able to kind of push some of these updates straight away to it. 
Obviously, it has some downfalls to what a native app would have, and the, the, for instance, you know, offline capability. Web application, our progressive web application relies on the internet, um, whereas the native app doesn't necessarily rely on connectivity to transfer um, credentials to individuals. So that validation can still be done in environments that are important to junction, you know, like sectors forestry sector they work in environments where there is no internet capability so that validation of a credential still needs to happen so um, our native uh, app allows us to do that via bluetooth so there, there is some some cool things in, in both um, and and important but um, when it comes to the operating system wallets you know your google wallets and your apple wallets we're big fans of those we believe here at junction an ecosystem where the user should be able to choose where they store their credential. If I want to store it in my Junction wallet because I have all of this other um, cool functionality and, and great tools to utilize, then I should be able to do that. But if I want to store that credential in my Apple wallet or my Google wallet, I should be able to do that as well. And that's what our journey is with Junction is to help these um, issuers of credentials and, and give them a mechanism and a platform to be able to do that. So if, if you want to issue a credential to somebody, you can issue it to them. They can hold it however they want to hold it. And uh, if that's with injunction, then fantastic because we've added value with the tool set that we've created um, within our solution. And, um, but you know, if I want to hold it in my Apple wallet and, and keep it in my Apple wallet, I should be able to do it as well. And, and that's what we believe in. And I suppose that comes back to how do you do that? And standards are a big part of this. And you know, the W3C standards around verifiable credentials is, is a big part of, of this. And we're big believers in that uh, to, to drive adoption so that someone can turn up somewhere and claim a credential and hold it, uh, interoperability in a junction wallet or in, a, in an Apple wallet. Um, we want that capability for people. And to be clear, at this point, the ability to put a credential into an Apple wallet is not present. Not true. We we have done some experiments where we've proved this um, with with injunction, not mm-hmm. uh, in uh, a, a valid market though. So we, we haven't got it actively being used within a marketplace. But you know, I suppose just like any organisation, there's a whole bunch of research and development going on to make sure the stuff is, is entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, another example is you know pushing into another quasi-wallet, which would be the Microsoft Authenticator app, proving that there are multiple ways to issue these credentials to people, um, and it doesn't have to be through proprietary wallets, you know, like a government wallet or a MasterCard wallet. You know, these credentials should be following open standards where they can be consumed by any type of wallet, and I think that's really important for people moving forward to to choice. This is my data. We see the same pros and cons playing out in in Australia, one of the one of the world's preeminent state government credential wallets is the New South Wales Digital Drivers Licence, uh, a project here that's close to my heart, and that's being extended has been extended for COVID credentials, but a whole lot of other trade qualifications and um, building permits and working with children's checks and so on. And the ability to update that wallet quickly is something that makes it very difficult for for New South Wales to move to Apple or Google because um, there's a whole lot of you know, momentum and inertia with those big projects. And, of course, the ability for finer grain functionality in the app, when you've got a, a, a proprietary wallet integrated with the app, it's a lot easier to be sharing information, to be streamlining data sharing and so on. So I think it's a really nice design problem about the choice of wallet and 
I myself am prepared to, to think that we'll have a choice of, of wallets going forward for quite a long time. And I think a key thing here is all of this is good. The, the use of verified credentials is good, uh, no matter how it's, how it's done, whether it's in a proprietary wallet. I think we will get there. Um, and again, there's a, there's a massive journey for, for people to take on. We've gone through a long history of showcasing who we are and validating the skill set that we have via paper and you know physical plastic tokens. And you know, if, I, if I take the example of the work we're doing within the energy sector, for 40 years, they've used a green passbook. It's called the green book. And it literally is a green paper-sized passbook that holds on to information around, you, know, you talked about at the start, Georgia, who you are and what you're entitled to do. So when you turn up to the geothermal power station gate, you hand over that green book and inside is handwritten, rubber-stamped, signatured information around mm. site inductions or working at the heights training or you know qualifications and skills. We've got a long way to get to our utopia um, because we've had this, you know, this long history of this paper-based proof. And there's a mindset that needs to to change within industries and organizations as well. And I think that's a big part of it too, is actually embracing this technology. And it's up to people like me and, and our organization to convince people the value of this type of technology and why we should move to to this. So, you know, again, that goes back to the challenge of that, that closed loop environment where you are literally selling this and educating people at all levels, at the issuer level, at the holder level, um, and at the verifier level. Let's get to the business piece. So it's the relying party who's paying. It's the enterprise that's paying for this. It's the party that has the risk exposure, correct? Correct. What, what do you find to be the, the leverage points in your argument that, for adoption? Look, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of important things here. Traditionally, how these guys uh, or how these organizations and, and enterprises, these relying parties, have dealt with this information is very manual. So if they have it in a database that's maybe in, in a spreadsheet somewhere, it's in some siloed database that has a piece of the puzzle. So being able to give them a tool set where we can access some of that siloed information and bring it into a platform where it's visible all at once is hugely important to them. Mm -hmm. We're talking about organizations, mm -hmm. especially in the energy sector, who you know have a, a high value asset they have a, a highly hazardous environment in a power generation site where they need to make sure that the right people are undertaking the right task so when that person turns up at the gate they need to make the quickest decision possible to get that person on site to undertake their work that they are supposed to be there so that's validation of their identity validation of their skills and qualification and, and their work authorities if if that takes time, there's, there's a trickle-on effect. And for six weeks of the year, every generation site is shut down to, for cleaning and maintenance. Time is crucial through a period like that. So they need to, ahead of time, make sure that the right people are turning up or going to be turning up. So that's where our platform comes into play, where as an individual who contracts to you as a company, I can give you access to particular credentials for a particular period of time or till I say stop that allows you to make those forward planning decisions. So in six months' time, if I'm still sharing with you, you can validate that I've got the right skill set to hire me to come and contract and, and do this work. Now, 
as soon as I untick a box and say I'm no longer sharing with you, you no longer have access to that, you know, those verified credentials that I was once sharing with you. Having that from a privacy point of view, none of this, none of these organisations want to be holding on to information they shouldn't be holding on to. So it ticks so many boxes from efficiency, productivity, privacy, and compliance that the sell isn't actually too hard when you show the value and you show the time saving. It, to, to the extent where you know these enterprises are so happy to pay for the people who are coming in track with them because it actually saves them so much more money than what it does as, as the cost of the tool. I, I just want to expand on that particular example and, and use one particular use case that the industry, the energy industry has highlighted to us here in New Zealand. Prior to us coming along, an individual's information wasn't managed that well. So if I work for a large generation company and jump ship and go and work for another large generation company, when I turn up, my new boss wants to know what I'm skilled and qualified in. If that is too hard, or if I don't bring everything with me because I can't remember everything, my previous organization has paid for my training, maybe they feel like they own my training. It's mine, by the way. I did the training. I should be able to own that. But because there isn't this easy way now to give this credential to the individual, they turn up to a new environment, shrug their shoulders, a new boss says, well, I need you to have this skill, so I'm going to send you on a training course tomorrow. That cost of double training, that individual already had that skill set that just didn't keep it with them, didn't have it, wasn't easily accessible. That cost to the energy industry is around $10 million a year, that double training cost. So they're spending $50 million a year on training. $10 million of that, or 20%, is wasted double training individuals because it's too hard to validate their skills or training or qualification. So automatically by implementing this across an industry, and you know, hats off to the New Zealand energy industry, world-leading in the fact that as an entire industry, they've said, hey, look, there's no IP in health and safety. So we just want to make sure that people go home safe. So what we want to do is we want to give a solution for everybody to be able to validate that they are who they say they are and they have the right qualifications. We want them to be able to turn up to a training environment and receive a verifiable credential straight away. So we're working with all of these separate parties to create this efficiency and this productivity. And it's working for them because automatically straight off the bat, they're saving millions of dollars because all of a sudden this information is visible and this, the information for the individual is transferable and they can take it with them. That's so empowering. So, so, so let me be clear about that at the end. If I'm working for power generation company A and then I decide I want to go move to the South Island and, and, and work for a company B, the junction wallet that I have that's containing my credentials can that just be valid as soon as I get to my new place of employment? Oh, 100%. Those are your credentials. If they've been issued to you by somebody, you still hold them. You can take them with you. The fact that you've been sharing with your employer while you've been working for them is just so that they can utilize those credentials. They, they need to use those, those credentials anyway. You know, you're their worker. You have a particular skill set. They need to know that that's valid when they're sending you on work. So having the access to when those credentials expire is hugely important for them. Hugely important for you as an individual as well, uh, especially when you do want to take them with you somewhere else and showcase them to somebody else. So within the energy sector, I can do that. I can take all my credentials with me to a new employer and I can showcase them. How do you assure the new employer that the credentials are legitimate? 
Great question, George. And within the energy sector in New Zealand, that's not an issue because what they've done is said this is a recognisable form of currency within the sector. So if someone is turning up with a junction wallet and there are credentials in there, you can be rest assured that those credentials are true and valid. Now, I'm going to caveat that with we give the ability for individuals to upload their own credentials to claim a credential. But what we've done with that is we've implemented a, a trust matrix. So essentially, it's a red, amber, green traffic light system. We know that we're not going to get absolutely every issuing authority on board from day one. But it's important for these individuals to carry credentials with them that maybe haven't been digitized yet. So they haven't got to the verifiable credential status where you know, they're issuing a, a, a digital driver's license. We don't do a digital driver's license here in New Zealand yet. So an individual working in the energy sector needs to showcase that they have a driver's license. We can give them a mechanism to showcase that as a verifiable credential, but it's caveated on this trust matrix, a red, amber, green traffic light system. If it's been issued from the licensing authority, it's a green, verifiable credential. If I have self-claimed this credential, it's flagged as red. So anyone I'm showcasing it to can clearly see this trust matrix, clearly see the levels of the trust matrix. And what we've done there is, again, I'll go back to this journey, is we're building so that when that licensing authority comes on board, they have the ability to turn all of those red credentials. And we do have an amber status, which has been endorsed by the organization you work for. So if I'm endorsed by a large generation company here in New Zealand and I'm showcasing that to somebody else, they can be rest assured that it has been validated by another authority. And then again, it's up to them, their own business decisions on how much they trust that. All of this comes down to trust at the end of the day. Trust is the underlying thing to everything. How much do you trust this that I'm showing you? And all we've done is give them a mechanism to be able to validate that trust, but also for the issuing authority to be able to come in and say, actually, I want to turn all of those credentials that people are claiming of mine green, because we're now on board with this movement of verifiable credentials, and we want people to be showcasing our credentials out in the marketplace. We want people to have peace of mind that that is a true and valid credential, because you look across, you know, uh, in New Zealand, we've got the city councils who have just been through a bit of a scandal where an engineer signed off on a thousand pieces of work using another person's credential. So those authorities want people in the marketplace showcasing verifiable credentials to prove that it is them who has that authority because, you know, the, the trickle on effect is massive if someone's impersonating or stealing somebody else's credentials. So yeah, this so is good same for story in healthcare, I guess, um, professional oh. licensing, maintenance, aircraft, aviation. Generally speaking, what's next? Um, what, what are the, the most important use cases for this sort of technology going forward? Look, what's next is it's a big question, Steve. There's so many opportunities here. As a commercial organisation, our, our focus is, look, it's a laser focus. It's a laser focus on proving and the environments that we're already in, that it works and that there's value because the use cases are so great. This this could go absolutely everywhere, but we need to prove it somewhere first. And it just so happens that we found an industry that was screaming out for a solution because they want to send their people home safe. And you know the, the, the high hazard industry, the 
environments where people need to have skills and qualifications in order for other people to stay alive, in order for people to go home safe, is a great place to start with this because there is an immediate impact. And it's not just a top-down approach either. I think this is something that's really important to understand. And I said just briefly before empowerment, you know, like individuals mm-hmm. holding on to their information and being able to take that with them is hugely powerful. And we have a use case within the United States where we have a particular sector of workers who are trying to push from the ground up with this technology. They care about their data. They care about their information. They care about their identity. They don't want people to steal their identity. They don't want people to be showcasing their particular skills and impersonating them. So they want to use this technology in the environments that they work in so that the organization they're working for is held accountable for that data and is not at risk of being hacked um, or not at risk of leaking that data. So it really is a a ground-up approach. But where we've found success and drive has been from industries that have a requirement mainly around health and safety. But, Steve, the the possibilities are endless. You know, George, you you mentioned in your intro, you know, access to solutions, access to systems. You know, a verified credential could be a key for you to access a particular solution or – you know, have access to some some digital tools. Yeah, it might mean that a lineman, uh, because of his particular credential set, gives him access to some maps that allow him to see where you know uh, a, a power grid is um, is mapped out. This is really important stuff, and I think with what we're doing, we're just kind of scratching the surface with you know, this use case of individuals showcasing their, their credentials for their work environments. There's, there's so many opportunities with verifiable credentials. It's, it really is the new, new internet. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting space. Well, Dan, thank you very much. We're going to have to leave it there. Wish you all the luck in, the, in this new year, and you're speaking our language. We really uh, appreciate your time. And hey, look, thank you so this. much, guys. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure, and I um, look forward to talking to you again if, if I have the opportunity, and, um, and thanks to all your listeners as well. Let's do it. Keep up the good work, Dan. Cheers, guys.